If the Calgary Flames are selling, the Boston Bruins would no doubt have interest in a few players. But can they make it work? We'll discuss that on today's podcast as well as preview tomorrow night's game against the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, take a seat in the latest installment of the History Corner. Let's get into it on today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be. Thank you so much for making Locked On Bruins your first listen every day. The podcast is free and available on your favorite podcast app, as well as on YouTube. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, thank you so much for subscribing to Locked On Boston Bruins, for making it a daily listen. Please do so if you have not already. Just hit that subscribe button on your podcast app, on YouTube. Each new episode automatically added to your feeds for you to download, listen, and enjoy. Thank you also for bearing with me as I fight with this epic cold this week. All right, let's get into our main topic for today, which is the Calgary Flames. Seemingly on the verge of... A fire sale, perhaps? It's been a brutal start for this team, despite the fact uh, they did win last night against the Vancouver Canucks. A very impressive 5-2 win for Calgary over a team that has been red hot to begin the season. Is it enough for them to have renewed faith in the core they have there? Or will they be looking to... Um, move some pieces as has been widely reported. Uh, Nikita Zadorov has made a public trade request. He has one year remaining on his contract at $3.75 million per season. They have quite a few impending unrestricted free agents on the books. Christopher Tanev is another decent option. And we all know Don Sweeney has long coveted Noah Hannafin, who was drafted fifth overall in 2015, a native of Boston, and he was a guy that they tried to trade up for in 2015 in order to draft. Uh, With those three picks in a row, they tried to flip them to Calgary in an attempt to move up and draft Hannafin. Didn't work out, but it has not changed. Uh, The Bruins desire to add a player like him and he's 26 years old making 4.95 million do a raise on his next contract do the Bruins pursue him in the trade market or do they wait and see what can happen this coming offseason in free agency another guy up front who's Clearly in the Bruins mold is Elias Lindholm. 
He's in the final year of a deal that will pay him $4.85 million. Again, that's uh, prorated at this point. So if the Bruins were to acquire him, uh, they'd be on the hook for the balance of that over the season. You know, Jonathan Huberto is not going anywhere. Nazem Kadri has said he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild, but 33 years old, $7 million per season for another five after this one. Six, maybe even. It ends at 2028-29. So that's going to be a hard contract to move for sure. So if the Bruins had any interest, it would be Zadorov, Hannafin, and Lindholm. Can they make that happen, though, is the question. And here's the thing with the Bruins. It's no secret that they have, uh, let's say, limited assets to work with when it comes to trades because they've kind of been there, done that. They have a conditional first-round pick that has already been sent to the Detroit Red Wings. Just as a reminder, it's a 2024 pick unless the Bruins finish in the bottom 10 and would pick in the top 10, which at the moment, barring collapse, doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So let's just assume Boston's first-round pick is going to Detroit this year. They don't have a second-round pick. That was traded in 2022 to the Ducks as part of the Hampus Lindholm trade. They also don't have a third-round pick. That was part of the deal with Washington and Minnesota where uh, it ended up with Washington for Dmitry Orlov. So no first this year, no second this year, no third this year. That's going to limit what they're able to do in trades. They also don't have a second next year as that was also part of the Dmitry Orlov Garnet Hathaway deal. So that's going to be tricky uh, for the Bruins to do anything that way. Now, if we're talking like one for one kind of thing, you know, Matt Grizzlick is an unrestricted free agent this coming summer, 3.6875 million. So conceivably you could flip him for one of those guys who's making more than him. The Bruins currently have a projected deadline cap space of 4.25 million. So they could add, but still, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be pretty tough for them to do that. Don't forget, Morgan Geeky's injured, uh, Matt Grizzlick on long term injured reserve. So that, as well as Milan Lucic, so that's pretty much the cap space that they have available right there. So limited draft capital to work from. Do you want to part with a Matt Patra or Fabian Lysel? Probably not. Do you want to trade some guys on the farm that are perhaps second tier? Maybe, but that might not be enough to tip the scales anyways. Plus, there's the issue of um, taking on the contract and where that space is going to come from. Do you flip your impending unrestricted free agents? Maybe, but... Jake DeBrusque, uh, 
Matt Grizzlick, Derek Forbort. You know, those are the guys that would clear that space for you. So altogether, yes, the Bruins would likely be interested in Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, perhaps even Nikita Zadorov, but they have limited draft picks to to draw on in order to make a trade. Um, limited cap space to add. Do you want to disrupt the chemistry once again? And who goes out? Do you trade a Matt Grizzlick for Noah Hannafin? Do you? Is it even enough? Probably not. Jake DeBrusque. All that to say, the Bruins will likely wait until the offseason where they will have an equal shot at pursuing Hannafin, pursuing Lindholm in free agency. Hopefully the cap will go up. They'll have some guys coming off the books, and that's likely when they would do something. Um, I'm not sure if, unless Don Sweeney has some more trade magic up his sleeve, then the Bruins likely won't be able to pull anything off with the Calgary Flames. But it's on the table. Perhaps Don can make something work. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Uh, At the moment, the Flames, the heat on them is a bit off after that win over Vancouver. Maybe they think they can uh, turn things around. Zadorov, for sure, though, has made a public trade request. But I don't really see him as an upgrade over Grizzly or even Derek Forbort, for that matter, on the left side. So I don't really see that happening. They do have a game coming up, though, and we're going to preview that one here as the podcast. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. That's because you can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in seconds with as few as two taps. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats, and they have a game-time guarantee that means you'll get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game-time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get deals on tickets for football, basketball, hockey, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Just download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Create an account. Redeem code locked on NHL for $20 off on game time, last minute tickets at the lowest price guaranteed. Thank you so much again for making Lockdown Bruins your first listen of the day. If you're looking for something to check out next, Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts and Locked On national show hosts covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. The Bruins have been off for several days here following that win over the Buffalo Sabres on uh, Tuesday. They'll be back in action Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens, a rematch of last Saturday's game in Montreal, in which the Habs came out on top 3-2. Talked about that one earlier this week. Everydayers will know that uh, we addressed their sluggishness, perhaps 
having a bit too much fun. Maybe on uh, the rookie dinner night in Montreal, the Bruins, uh, a couple days off between games. They'll be able to uh, really recover here and hopefully come out fresh and ready to avenge that loss. Uh, the Habs coming in not too hot, three, six, and one over their last 10, including a loss on Thursday to Vegas. A uh, very back and forth affair. Uh, in the end, the Habs just could not hang on with the defending Stanley Cup champions. It reminded me, remember how Montreal beat Vegas in the in the in the semifinals to go to the Stanley Cup final a few years ago. What a weird time that was. Anyways, over the last five games, Mike Matheson is their most prolific player. He's a blue liner, two goals, five assists for seven points over his last five games. For the Bruins, Dave Apostrenok with 10 points in five games, seven of those being assists. And uh, Jim Montgomery the other day talked about how He's been so impressed with David Posternock's ability to create and thrive, even with all these new centers in the mix and, you know, without the benefit of David Krejci and um, Patrice Bergeron. And again, Jim Montgomery, very impressed with the winger's ability to create on his own, to continue to challenge for 60 goals, setting new heights when it comes to helpers, just taking his game to a whole new level. And Montgomery said he thought Pasta would have a harder time producing without Bergie and Krejci. But he had said last year there's going to be a lot more put on him and because they figured those guys were moving on, he said, I'm expecting it. Don't worry about it. And he's proving that to be right. He hasn't, they have not had to worry about it at all. He said, Pasta's become more of a puck possession guy and being more creative with the puck, helping guys like Zaka, Marshan, and the proof is in the pudding. He's off to an amazing start. 10 points over his last five games. Charlie Coyle with four goals over the last five games for the Bruins to lead in that category. Now, it will be Jeremy Swayman back in the net after he played last Saturday, mixing it up with some Canadians challenging Sam Montembo to skate down the ice. He's got that dog in him, and he's got the numbers to back it up. 6-0-1, 944 save percentage. Uh, they could go back to Montembo. He's got a 908 save percentage. Uh, Charles Lindgren played very well. No, no. Sorry, Caden Primo played very well for them last night against Vegas. Jake Allen with a 911 save percentage. So could be either of those guys in net. Uh, now the Bruins, of course, still the first-ranked. Penalty kill. Uh, Montreal's power play ranks 16th at 20.6. Their penalty kill is 23rd at 75.3. Again, on paper, this is one the Bruins should be able to take. 13th ranked goals for. 22nd ranked goals for for Montreal. And the 
Bruins allowing only two goals per game, which is tops in the NHL. Montreal allowing 3.47, which is ranked 23rd. So on paper, should be another win for the Boston Bruins. And uh, I'm looking forward to them avenging last Saturday night's loss in Montreal. That's a quick preview for you. And uh, coming up, going to dig into the history corner. And I want to tell you the story of, uh, of Dick Clapper, a Bruins legend. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. You can get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor-created, doctor-recommended, and you don't have to be unprepared in the case of a natural disaster or... Otherwise, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. All right, friends, it's story time here as I'm dipping back into Brian McFarland's original six on the Bruins history corner, something I thought was important to explore here during this centennial season. You may have heard the name Dick Clapper in the past. Who was he? What was he all about? If you ever wonder why old-time Bruin Audrey, sorry, Aubrey Dick Clapper is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, listen to this. The guy played in the NHL for 20 years. He was the first player in history to perform for two full decades. He's the only NHL player to be listed on the NHL All-Star team at both forward and defense. And he remains the only Bruin to play on three Stanley Cup winning teams. Clapper broke in with the Bruins as a strapping right winger in 1927. The following year, he found himself sipping bubbly from the Stanley Cup. He played on the dangerous dynamite line with Cooney, Wyland, and Dutch Gainer. And in his third season, 1920-30, he exploded for 41 goals in 44 games, helping the Bruins to an almost perfect 38-5-1 record. And that was the Bruins' best record until last season. Postseason glory eluded Clapper and the Bruins, though, as they fell to the Canadians in an uncommon two-game final series. By 1937, told he'd lost a step as a forward, he shrugged and moved back to defense. Within a year, he was so proficient in his new role that he made the first All-Star team. Despite his size and strength, he was known as a clean, sportsmanlike player, and he earned plenty of respect. One night, after an altercation on the ice, he lashed out and punched the ref a young chap named Clarence Campbell. Campbell was so astonished at this uncharacteristic outburst that he recommended leniency. Campbell confessed that he had provoked the Bruins star. I called Clapper a name that angered him. I was wrong to do so. The result was a one-game suspension. Can't imagine that happening in today's NHL. Prior to the 1945-46 season, Clapper was named player coach of the Bruins and guided them to the 46 finals. In February of the following year, he bowed out as a player, but coaching didn't 
provide any greater satisfaction. I found it difficult coaching players who are my longtime friends, he said. He resigned after the 48-49 season. The Bruins, always in the playoffs under Clapper, missed the postseason scramble the following year. In Fort George, British Columbia, a few years ago, this would have been in the 90s, I encountered Clapper's son Don managing a fast food outlet. This, of course, according to Brian McFarland, the author. Was Don a player in his youth? Yes, but not a star like my dad. The highlight of my career was being invited to the training camp of the Barry Flyers. His roommate was Don Cherry. Cherry made the club, and I didn't. Don Clapper talked about his father's strength and stamina. He mentioned the time his father was seriously injured one season. He severed a tendon in a game, and it was a horrible injury. 100 stitches inside and another 100 outside the wound. The doctor said he may never skate again, that he'd be lucky to be able to walk. He was back on skates the following year. He was a tough and durable player. He had to be to survive 20 seasons in the NHL. The young clapper frowned when he recalled the time someone suggested the Bruins bring his father's number five out of retirement. When the Bruins acquired Guy Lapointe from Montreal, Lapointe told him he wanted to wear his old number five. And the Bruins would have given it to him until... His sister, Marilyn, who lives back east, got involved. She made it very clear the family was not in favor of giving the number to the point. Then Bobby Orr got involved. He supported uh, Dick Clapper's daughter by saying, if they're going to unretire number five, which honors a Bruin who gave so much to the game, they might as well unretire number four. I heard that Orr told Leo Monahan, the well-known Boston hockey writer, that LaPointe couldn't carry Clapper's jockstrap. The thought causes the younger Clapper to chuckle and add, he's right, of course. Clapper, the Bruin, was fast-tracked into the Hall of Fame in 1947, two years before he retired as Boston coach. No one should be surprised when he's mentioned in the same breath as Orr and Bork, Shore and Schmidt. He was that good. Dick Clapper died in 1978. This is a great exercise for me. I'm not super familiar with some of these Bruins legends. Dick Clapper, number five, a true Bruins legend. And uh, some of the stories are pretty crazy. Hope you enjoyed that. A little jaunt down into the history corner. I hope you have enjoyed this week's episodes. Thank you for bearing with me again through this cold. Hopefully it's all cleared up by Monday when we will recap Saturday's game against the Canadians and look forward to what will be a busy week for the Bruins uh, next week. Check out Locked On Sports Today, 24-7 streaming on YouTube. Please do take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you again here next week on fresh episodes of Locked On Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day.